Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Facts Matter, brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. I'm here today with research associate Eric Paul Dennis. Eric, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking, Eric. And today we're going to talk about Michigan infrastructure as it pertains to road funding. Eric, you did a blog piece not too long ago um, about a formula to fix funding for Michigan roads so we can have better infrastructure and fix some of these potholes that the snow has caused because this weather is so unpredictable up here. But you've been working on a really interesting project um, and it's about Act 51 of 1951. Can you give us a little bit of background information on that act and how it has impacted Michigan roads and infrastructure? Yeah, so Act 51 uh, as amended is the primary law that determines how state transportation funds are distributed to the various road infrastructure owners in Michigan. It's not the only law that contributes to how roadway infrastructure is managed. It references other laws and requires additional regulations and policies to function in practice, but it's certainly a central part, if not the central part of how our roads are funded. As the name would suggest, Act 51 of 1951 is 70 years old plus. Um, it's been around for quite a while, so it's been very influential in how our, our road network across the entire state has evolved over the last 70 years. Um, interstate highways didn't even exist when this act was passed. The Federal Interstate Highway Act was signed in 1956, I believe, so. <clears throat> Act 51 has been a very controlling factor for how Michigan's interstate system was planned out and constructed, as well as many of our other major highways. Um, Act 51 signified a major change in how Michigan's roads were funded back in the 50s, but it wasn't a complete paradigm shift. It's not as if in you know, 1950, we were still traveling by horseback. Um, in fact, Act 51 largely embedded existing laws um, that had been put in place over the previous decades and just kind of glommed them together into uh, a more coherent package. But it did make some important changes. Uh, for example, Act 51 created the Michigan Transportation Fund. Um, which we still use today. This took existing revenue streams that existed previously, uh, such as fuel taxes, vehicle registration fees, truck weight fees, and brought those all together and deposited them in a dedicated roads fund, which was then separated from the general fund. This was deemed important so that highway-derived revenue would not be in competition with non-transportation uses. Uh, this is actually common now, but was somewhat of a innovative policy measure at the time um, to, to basically protect your road funding. Uh, another important feature is that it assigned the Michigan Department of Transportation as administrator of the transportation fund. Actually, just as an aside, I want to acknowledge there have been some name changes uh, in the last 70 years. So when this happened, the Michigan Department of Transportation was actually called the uh, State Highway Commission, and the fund was actually called the uh, Vehicle 
motor vehicle road fund or something like that. But for to just to simplify things, I'm going to use the current names um, just in case there's any transportation historians who are yelling at me right now that I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong, but um, I'm just going to use the current names. But so anyway, technically, the State Highway Commission, what is now MDOT, they were put in charge rather than the legislature or some independent committee of administering the state transportation fund. This was considered beneficial as to avoid highway funding being viewed as a political process. Uh, another key feature of Act 51 is that it introduced a very specific top line distribution formula for how the Michigan Transportation Fund would be distributed among the various types of road owners. So uh, MDOT got the largest percentage. They were given 44% of the Michigan Transportation Fund. Then counties got 37% and municipalities got 19%. Those percentages have since been adjusted. Uh, MDOT's cut has been reduced from 44% to now today it's 39%, so a decrease of 5%. Uh, that 5% that MDOT gave up that was just redistributed, two of those uh, percent points were given to counties. So since 1951, counties have gone from 37% of recipients of the Michigan Transportation Fund to 39%. Uh, so they're now equivalent with MDOT. Both of them have 39%. And municipalities got the other 3%. So they're still, or they're now at 22%. So we're currently at 39% MDOT, 39% counties, 22% municipalities. Um, beyond that, things get kind of complicated. Those high level percentages are then sub-distributed amongst all the counties and municipalities and MDOT regions based on several factors, things like number of registered vehicles uh, in that area, um, number of miles of roads, I think maybe population count. It's, it, it's actually a pretty complex formula. It is relevant to know that Act 51 imposed fairly hard statutory requirements on the distribution of road funding, which means that any changes to the formula require Michigan's legislature to pass new legislation to amend the law. So it's not the easiest thing to do. It actually happens quite often, but it, you know, it has to go through the legislative process. So to summarize the answer to your original question, you asked how Act 51 has affected Michigan's roads. It has been a key policy, if not the key policy, that has influenced how our road network and subsequent land use patterns have been built out over the last 70 years. And Eric, why is this act still relevant today as it pertains to Michigan roads? Well, it's still the standing law uh, that determines how the Michigan Transportation Fund is distributed. So every year, every fiscal year, the transportation budget of MDOT, as well as every county and municipality in the state, <clears throat> is substantially determined, not entirely, but substantially determined by the formula described in Act 51. Uh, now it's been amended since 1951. I don't, I don't know how many times, um, dozens at least. Uh, so aspects of it have changed dramatically while some core features have barely changed at all. Let me give some context why I have been pursuing this line of research at all. Michigan's roads 
generally suck, especially in the Metro Detroit region. And um, they've kind of always sucked as long as I can remember. I grew up in Southfield in the late 80s, early 90s. I distinctly remember as a kid uh, listening to my dad curse out the potholes from behind the wheel of our I think 1985 baby blue Monte Carlo. So our roads have sucked for at least that long. And I've been doing some historical research and developed a working theory that Michigan's roads actually have never not sucked. Um, Michigan's first state constitution, uh, which was adopted in 1930 or 1835. I'm sorry, we didn't actually become a state until 1837 because we had to fight Toledo for some reason. But anyway, state constitution of 1835 actually charged the state government with addressing the transportation infrastructure crisis of that time, which was mostly that we had a few state wagon roads that were impassably muddy for several months out of the year. Um, but so we started our statehood in something of an infrastructure crisis. And as far as I can tell, there's never been a point in Michigan's history where citizens have been able to look around at the roads and think, you know, wow, we, yeah, we really have our act together here. Um, we're just not very good at taking care of our roads and we never have been, but I think that we're in a place now where maybe there is enough attention to improve things somewhat. Not only did our current governor basically run her campaign on a slogan of fix the damn roads, but subsequently the state created a new $5.3 billion bond funded transportation program. And uh, we will be getting a meaningful increase in available federal dollars from the recent bipartisan federal infrastructure bill. Uh, that said, we've been in situations like this before where there's been a wave of attention and additional resources, but the resulting efforts never seem to affect lasting change. So your question, how is Act 51 relevant today? It's still the theoretical foundation of distribution of the Michigan Transportation Fund. However, it's become so convoluted and watered down that the agencies that use it often have to ignore the, li the law itself and rely on uh, heuristics, um, conventions that have been built up over the last 70 years out of necessity to compensate for how confusing and dysfunctional this law is. And this is a problem. It's not just the specific formula of Act 51 that's inefficient, it's the entire approach and it's preventing us from making meaningful progress in fixing our road problem today. That's very good information. Um, just about the background of Act 51 and why it's still relevant today, um, because like you said, it is one of the acts that's still applicable. Um, and then in your, your blog, you actually broke it down into three bullet points. Do you mind explaining what those represent and what those mean? Michigan has an office of state government called the uh, the Office of the Auditor General. Uh, the Office of the Auditor General is to act as kind of an oversight for other state departments, cut down on waste, fraud, and abuse, that kind of thing. They had previously announced um, that they were working on this issue as well. They were doing an audit report. I was aware that it was scheduled to be published in mid-January as I was doing my own research. Um, 
And I think it was January 12th when I was really struggling with my approach that I saw that this was published. And so I redirected my attention to this audit report uh, in the hopes that it could uh, provide a shortcut to my comprehending Act 51 and perhaps lend some, lend some insights that I could steal or adopt. Um, and so those three bullet points are actually quoted directly from the Auditor General's report. And it was their way of summarizing uh, MDOT's statutory responsibility. So in just those three short bullet points, they describe what MDOT's responsibility with respect to Act 51 is and what the scope of their audit was. Number one, allocate Michigan transportation funds to state, counties, and municipalities after various statutory deductions. Two, use the Act 51 distribution and reporting system, or ADARs, to calculate monthly distributions. Three, use ADARs to calculate annual distributions for snow, remo snow removal, engineering expenditures, and mileage transfers. And that's it. Um, that's, uh, I, I condense it a little bit, but that's basically what they said MDOT does with Act 51 and what their audit covered. And so that seems pretty straightforward. Two things. First, so as I read more of the audit report, I became much more comfortable that it actually wasn't that simple. Uh, these three bullet points vastly oversimplify, first of all, what the scope of their audit actually was. Um, when you read on, they, they did cover other things. But second, and more importantly, the scope of the audit was far more limited than what I was trying to do. Um, for example, the first bullet point mentioned that the top level formula is applied after, quote, various statutory deductions. That's all they say. Um, those various statutory deductions, what they explain in three words is dozens of pages of instructions for how various funds and subfunds of the Michigan Transportation Fund are earmarked and must be distributed. Um, it's really, really complicated. And their audit didn't even cover that. It just, it seems to have been placed out of scope. Uh, so a lot of the complication that I was struggling with, they didn't even touch. Um, generally, the, well, actually, let me, so, and the reason, let me clarify that the reason that I act, that I listed um, those three bullet points that the Auditor General, the way that they described their scope uh, was because I wanted to make clear that even though I would be relying on their audit report to talk about the limitations of Act 51, um, their audit report is not the entire story. There's, there's a lot more that you can do there. But for sure, my findings, I just want to say, are offered in good faith, and I apologize for any errors. But So getting back to your original question, those three bullet points summarize the scope of the audit report, which was very important to me in relaying my findings. Essentially, MDOT was audited uh, 
to determine if they were in statutory financial compliance with regard to the distribution of the Michigan Transportation Fund. And it's important to keep in mind that anything outside of MDOT's ADARS software system that they use to distribute this fund appears to be out of scope. Uh, so if there's any non-compliant issues that aren't in their software system, the Auditor General probably wouldn't have caught that. Uh, so it's, it's really only a partial audit. Eric, even with that partial audit, um, can you talk about some of the current methods of the funding of Michigan Roads? Well, so there's um, Act 51, as we have been talking about. That's so for <laughs> it's complicated for MDOT. Uh, who operates the state trunk line system, the largest funding component is the Michigan Transportation Fund distributed for the Act, through the Act 51 formula, as we've been discussing. Uh, the revenue that goes into that fund comes mostly from Michigan vehicle registration fees and fuel taxes. Uh, additionally, about 25% of MDOT's budget comes from Federal Highway Aid Program. And also some years we pull from the general fund to backfill the transportation budget, uh, though not in the last couple of years and hopefully we won't be doing that often again. It's quite a bit different for the local authorities and can vary quite a bit from authority to authority. And to, to summarize your question, there's a lot of different ways that Michigan roads are funded. Act 51 covers the Michigan Transportation Fund, which is only a component of that, but is probably the most important component. And then also, Eric, you mentioned in your blog that the current system in place has is what has been giving, the current system in place is what has been giving um, Michigan Transportation some issues um, with the funding. So why would you say the current system in place is not adequate enough to fix Michigan's transportation funding issue? There is no reason to believe it's adequate enough because we've been using this system for quite a while and we have not been doing much to improve our roads. Uh, so in, let me talk for a second about some of the findings of the Auditor General's report because I relied on that very heavily. Um, for example, and I was kind of shocked by this, uh, MDOT, failed to, so remember the Auditor General, they're looking at is MDOT complying with their statutory responsibility? Are they doing what they want, what they need to do legally um, as described by Act 51? If not, they're in non-compliance. And the Auditor General did find issues of non-compliance, including that MDOT failed to distribute $60 million across two fiscal years, 2019 and 2020, to local road agencies. Um, so they're, in certain instances, just not paying municipalities what they are owed. The format of these, um, these audit reports is that once the Auditor General reaches a finding, they present this finding to MDOT and MDOT's allowed to respond. And this becomes part of a back and forth that makes it into the report. So the Auditor General presented this finding to MDOT. They said, hey, you did not pay $60 million to these municipalities. What's up? 
uh, MDOT said, yeah, you're right. Um, we will try to do better in the future, which strikes me as an insufficient resolution. Um, that's $16 million that is not going into local budgets where it is desperately needed. From MDOT's perspective, that's probably not much. It's like a third of a percent of the Michigan Transportation Fund. But for some of these municipalities, it can add up to real money. For example, Flint, you can imagine what kind of, uh, how, how much pressure Flint's transportation budget is under. They were shorted half a million dollars over those two years. Um, and that's two years that we know of. The audit only covered fiscal 2019 and 20. Um, but the provision with which MDOT was in noncompliance has been in place since 1992, 30 years. And so there's no way for me to know um, because I don't have the access to the records that they have. Uh, and it was not addressed in the Auditor General's report, but it seems to me fairly likely that MDOT has been shorting municipalities under this provision for the last 30 years, because it seems weird if they were doing it correctly and then somehow stopped. Uh, and so that's, I mean, that's a problem. Um, a second finding of noncompliance that I focused on is the Auditor General found that, as far as they can tell from MDOT's ADARS software system, there were several municipalities that were not compliant with a provision that required them to spend 1% of a certain subfund on non-motorized transportation. Um, doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but MDOT agreed with that and they agreed that they will do better forcing the municipalities to spend more money on non-motorized transportation, sidewalks, shoulders and stuff. The thing is they're both wrong. Um, there was no non-compliance by local agencies, at least, at least not regarding this provision, at least not as far as the audit could determine. That provision, which requires that locals spend 1% of their certain subfunding on non-motorized transportation actually says that they have to do this on average over a period of 10 years. So both the Auditor General and MDOT were unable to reach a correct conclusion about compliance. And really the only reason is because this law is so complicated that nobody knows how it works. I was in a very unique position to catch that because I had just spent a week trying to understand Act 51 from first principles. Um, but so it makes you wonder how many of these things how many of these mistakes are being made that no one even catches because this law is just so convoluted and terribly written that it's become completely ineffective. And those are some very interesting points that you make, Eric, and I'm certainly sure people will get a chance to look at it from first principle, as you stated, but what can Michigan do to fix this? What's the fix for it? I mean, there, so there's a lot of potential interventions um, and probably several would need to be enacted concurrently to make a significant difference. Um, my initial, so when I set down this path, as I said, my, my initial goal was basically to map out all of the rights and responsibilities of the hundreds, literally hundreds of uh, road owners and the other agencies that are part of this ecosystem, uh, just to 
try to figure out what's going on here because I think that there is core understanding of how this system not only is working, but how it's supposed to work. And I think that that lack of understanding is preventing us from moving forward uh, because there's really no one in this environment who is happy with Act 51. There's no one defending it saying it's perfect now, it doesn't need to be tinkered with. But for some reason, we can't seem to bring ourselves to make meaningful changes. And I think it's because it's so complicated that you, and not only complicated, but just poorly constructed that you can't make meaningful changes by tinkering with the margins. I think we have to take off and nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure that we can get rid of this terrible law. The hard part is what do we replace it with? And I'm not there yet. I'm not nearly there yet. I'm still at a place where I'm trying to understand what the inputs are, what the necessary legal requirements from fairly unchangeable uh, statute is in the middle and what the necessary outputs are so that we can uh, strategically fix the entire system. As complicated as the funding formula is, it is entirely divorced from the way that high, that from the way that transportation projects are chosen and engineered. So there's like this funding system on the one hand, and then there's this little output of this funding system that is how much money things, how much money the organizations get. And that's all that they consider from Act 51 when they determine like what roads they're gonna fix and how they're gonna fix them. And that in itself is a problem that the distribution of the money is almost completely divorced from the way that it's being used. Something needs to change. I can't do it myself. I'm just trying to confirm because a lot of people know this, but not a lot of people have just spent six weeks on it in the way that I have. This is a huge problem. Very big things need to change. We need to have a serious conversation about this. And most importantly, this new federal money that we're going to be getting through the um, Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, this new bond money that we're going to be getting that we're deficit spending, hoping that revenue will appear in the future to pay those bonds back. That is all going to go to waste if we don't figure out how to make this formula work better or ideally completely replace the formula, repeal and replace it with something modern that makes sense, that people can follow, that is auditable, that is tractable, that actually works. Thank you so much for that, Eric. That concludes our episode of Facts Matter brought to you by the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Until next time. Mm -hmm.